Okay, three, two, one. Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 374. Welcome in. Uh, today's a little bit different because I'm using a different microphone. I am... Like, I, I, we're getting better. I think every episode, go listen to the first episode here in Hawaii. Go listen to the one today. I think it's better, objectively. And I think it'll be even better five more episodes from now. I'm experimenting. Uh, today I put curtains over the massive windows in this room. No natural lighting today. I mean, a little bit through the corners, but using studio lights today, a different microphone. The thought with the curtains is that it will dampen the sound, bouncing off of the windows a little bit. Doing the very best I can. Again, just... I people have been very very patient. I'm very grateful for that. And I at some point will reach a moment where I'm like, this is good. We're done improving. I feel great about it. I'm not quite there yet. But when that day comes, I'll play a clip from the very first episode. I will I'll play something from the first episode, little audio clip and be like, "Hey, here's what it used to sound like." And here's what it sounds like today. We're not there yet. We're still improving. But anyway, uh, on today's episode, we're going to talk about Gardner Minshew. He got traded. Uh, I'll tell you what I feel about that in a moment. Uh, there's a big injury in the NFL we have to talk about that is just disappointing and frustrating. Uh, the Saints have named their starting quarterback. We'll talk about that. We're going to talk about six week one college football games that should be on your radar. I don't expect everybody to watch not one, not two, not three, but six different college football games next weekend. You know, I will because I'm crazy and I do it for a living. Uh, but there is one particular game that if, you, if you're like, hey, I can't watch all of them, watch this one game because there's one game that is phenomenal. Uh, I'll do a couple corrections later in the show, some follow-ups to what I said last episode. There's a coach who may get fired. That's very disappointing. A lot of good stuff ahead, but I want to start with this because it's the biggest news of the day because it's what has been filling my direct messages on Instagram. People have been sending me all kinds of opinions and questions and how I feel about this. And uh, I want to give a shout-out to... Man, uh, I got like five questions about this on Patreon, and so I'm not going to read all those questions. I was going to cover it anyway. I try to use Patreon to find topics I wasn't already going to talk about. But I, I want to give a shout out to the people on Patreon who wrote in about this because I appreciate you. You're out there. I, you're awesome. Let's jump in. Quarterback Gardner Minshew got traded from the Jacksonville Jaguars to the Philadelphia Eagles. Oh, man. And look, I, I'm... Very thankful that Gardner Minshew was out of Jacksonville, but then he went to Philadelphia. So I'm having a hard time getting excited about this trade. Uh, what Philly got, Philly got Gardner Minshew, a former, you know, I think a sixth round, six, I believe he was a sixth round pick. Quarterback Gardner Minshew played really good the last two years in Jacksonville, was on a terrible team. I think, man, everybody blames Gardner for their failings. I go, that roster was horrendous. The coach got fired. Gardner's the only quarterback who's won a game in Jacksonville in two years. So I think Philadelphia got a steal. What the Jaguars got in the, the trade was they got a conditional sixth-round pick. The condition is that if Gardner does play 50% of the snaps in three games this year, that sixth-round pick becomes a fifth-round pick. Basically, Jacksonville got nothing. <laughs> like, I... Okay, and we'll get into why that's weird. Um, I, I actually hate this trade for so many reasons, and I, I'm going to have a hard time not sharing just straight emotion because I, I have logical reasons why this trade is terrible, but I want to share first of all my heart, why I don't like this trade from a, a fan perspective. 
Uh, I made a video in 2019. I believe it came out in February 2019. I, I, I like, like a little, I'm like a little squirrel. I just file away information. Like people, like squirrels file away nuts. That's a terrible thing to say. Um, my three favorite quarterbacks in college football history was what the video was titled. Uh, I think I said all time actually. And two of those quarterbacks from that list are now members of the Philadelphia Eagles. They're on the same team, Gardner Minshew and Jalen Hurts. I love Gardner Minshew's story. I love his philosophy of life. I love Jalen Hurts' story. I love how he's overcome so many different things and got benched for Tua, stayed in Alabama, was a, you know, fought hard, overcame adversity, went to Oklahoma, had a great year. He's gotten better. Every year I've watched Jalen Hurts. And so aside from big logical stuff, my first problem with this trade is that now I straight up do not know who to root for. I'm like, well, I love Jalen. He's one of my favorite players of all time. I feel the same way about Gardner Minshew. Now they're on the same team fighting for one spot. Only one of them can play. I hate that I can't root for both of them. I really, um, that's a funny way to go, but I'm sure that I'm the only person in the world that's like, I love Gardner. I love Jalen. But I root for people, not teams. And I, they're my, some of my favorite people in the NFL. Now, Jalen Hurts is the starting quarterback. Uh, he's been there all through camp. Gardner is just now going to start learning the playbook. So he's way behind. Even if he wasn't, Jalen's the guy. Like Jalen Hurts is the guy leading their locker room through everything they've been through, leading all the way through training camp has been the guy. That's who the team, I believe, uh, will fall in under. But this is a hill I will die on, and, and I will say this forever, is that if Gardner Minshew played on a good team, he would win. He would win a lot of games. And I, I honestly, for the life of me, cannot understand why other NFL evaluators, and I'm not just talking to me, I mean people in the league, why people don't see the value in Gardner Minshew, a team like the Pittsburgh Steelers who do not have a quarterback after Big Ben retires. Maybe they think it's Dwayne Haskins. I'll tell you what. Dwayne has been okay during preseason. Gardner Minshew's better. Or Washington. Is it Taylor Henneke? Is it Ryan Fitzpatrick, they still don't really know who their long-term quarterback is. Why isn't Washington making a trade for Gardner Minshew? Or Denver? Did Denver forget two years ago when Gardner Minshew had a ridiculously good fourth quarter comeback to beat Denver? Apparently, they all forgot because Denver's quarterback room is not that good, and yet still they could not find any reason to trade for Gardner Minshew. The New Orleans Saints, maybe Jameis Winston is their guy. If not, why not trade for Gardner? Sixth-round pick for Gardner Minshew. He's cheap. He's on a rookie contract. Maybe even the Giants, who don't know of Daniel Jones as their guy, why not bring in Gardner Minshew? Philadelphia is by far, I'm not going to say it's the worst, but it's definitely not, Philadelphia is definitely not the best place Gardner Minshew could have gone. He's accurate. He's a good decision maker. He can extend plays. He's really good at leaving the pocket, not running downfield, but running from the pocket to the sideline, keeping a play alive, finding people downfield. Go watch Washington State against USC, I think three years ago now. His, his senior year at Washington State. Phenomenal game. And I, I thought there was some stuff that Kyler Murray could have taken from Gardner's game. And not to mention, I referred to that game in Denver two years ago. Gardner Minshew was on the sideline going, hey, we got to go. We got to get this now. And like firing up his teammates. And he led them to a come from behind victory in the fourth quarter against Joe Flacco's Denver Broncos two years ago. He's a galvanizing leader. So I just do not understand why people don't want to give Gardner a chance. Uh, put this dude on a good roster with an opportunity to play. He would win games. Kind of honestly, it reminds me of Dak Prescott. When Tony Romo got hurt, Dak Prescott, an unknown rookie quarterback, came in on a really good Cowboys team. That year, the Cowboys were stacked, 
And Dak led them to the playoffs. Gardner's the same way. I'm not going to say he's the best quarterback in the NFL. I'm not. That's nonsense. He's nowhere near. But Gardner is definitely better than a lot of other quarterbacks in the NFL that are playing week to week. And if you put the man on a good team, and I, I'm biased. I'm a fan. I own that. He'd do very well, though, with a starting job in a place like Denver or Pittsburgh or New Orleans. I just It blows my mind that nobody appears to see the value in Gardner Minshew. Instead, Gardner's going to Philadelphia, a bad team with a coach I don't like or really believe in that already has a starting quarterback. And, and by the way, here's what's baffling about this trade. The Jaguars gave him away for nothing. A fifth-round pick, a sixth-round pick. It, it makes no sense because, first of all, what if Trevor Lawrence gets hurt? Who's their backup? It's the guy who was in um, the former 49ers backup. I forget his name. The guy from Iowa. Someone will write in the comments. That's their current backup quarterback. I, would, I thought Gardner was a great backup at minimum in Jacksonville. And again, I get it. I am a fan of Gardner. But what were teams afraid of? Like, why did people not make a move for him? And what's weird about this is that you ask me, hey, who, if you trade a fifth or a sixth round pick for a quarterback who can win you games and is on a rookie contract, so he's, in, he's less than a million dollars a year, you got to pay the guy. So the Eagles got a steal. The Jaguars made a horrible trade. Okay, you don't have a backup. And Trevor's going to get the tar beat out of him this year. And you didn't get anything for him. I just don't get it, man. And what's weird about this trade is that all through training camp, the Jaguars split reps between Trevor Lawrence and Gardner Minshew. They said, hey, 50% of the reps go to Trevor. 50% of the reps go to Gardner Minshew. And they did all that just to trade the guy away. Like, uh, hello, how about the fact that you wasted valuable reps that Trevor Lawrence could have gotten to feel more prepared for week one? All throughout training camp, you gave this other guy reps just to get rid of him. What was the point of that? So not only does it hurt Gardner, it hurts Trevor Lawrence. It's nonsense. The Jaguars look bad here. They look like a team that doesn't know what they're doing. And so, in my opinion, I think, look, Philly got a steal. The Jaguars made a terrible trade that made no sense. Like, congratulations, a sixth-round pick, a guy who's going to get cut next August. Great. Like, who is that pick going to turn into, really? And what did you give up? You gave up a guy who was nothing on your books, a cheap contract who potentially could help you win if Trevor got hurt or who knows, man. It just made no sense to me. In my opinion, I saw the trade. I wasn't excited. I wasn't fired up. I was just like, where's Pittsburgh? Where's Denver? Where's New Orleans? Like, does nobody see the value in Gardner Minshew? And apparently not. Apparently, I'm the only person on planet Earth. That And I don't care about the mullet or the stupid haircuts, the mustache. All that's fluff and nonsense. I don't care. I, I care about how he plays on the field. Gardner's accurate. He makes good decisions. He can extend plays. He's a galvanizing leader. That's someone I would want on my football team. And the fact that the rest of the NFL doesn't appear to agree, um, very weird to me. Uh, but I will say, I wish Gardner made you luck. He's on a better team, I think, now in Philly than Jacksonville. Jacksonville is a terrible spot. Now he's maybe not in the worst spot in the NFL. He's like one of the bottom 10 spots in the NFL. Uh, and I just, one thing, I got to feel bad for Gardner here. He got drafted by Jacksonville and then traded to Philadelphia. He's never been able to pick where he went in the NFL. He's been on, I think now, two bad organizations. I'm being harsh to Philly, but I don't believe in their coach. I don't believe in the direction they're headed. He's not going to get a chance to play, I don't think, unless Jalen Hurts gets ironically hurt. So we'll see. Um, but I saw this trade and... Wasn't a lot of people were fired up. I was not. 
I was just saddened and disappointed and like, oh, man, where, where was Washington? Where was Denver or Pittsburgh or New Orleans? Why didn't they trade for Gardner Minshew? Somewhere that doesn't have a long-term plan at quarterback where he maybe could have given a shot to not only be the guy, but maybe like win a lot of games because they got a good roster. And in Philly, it's like, okay, like he's a backup and they don't value him and they don't really have, like, again, this is why he's not one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL is he doesn't have, he needs help. He needs a good roster. But the fact that there are teams out there that have a good roster, don't have a good quarterback, and also didn't trade for Gardner Minshew makes no sense to me. I'm rambling now, but I was not excited about the trade. I was actually, and I'm not trying to be negative, but I was disappointed when I saw that trade. Okay, here's a story we have to talk about. It's, uh, oh my, <laughs> I, can't be- I can't believe this happened, honestly. So Ravens running back J.K. Dobbins tore his ACL in the Ravens' third and final preseason game. And I just have one question. Why? Why, 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 why did this happen? Why is J.K. Dobbins starting and playing in a preseason game at all? Let alone, I, I just, I, I, I don't understand, man. This was so avoidable. And I feel terrible for J.K. Dobbins. Tore his ACL in a meaningless game that doesn't matter. Like, hey, it's one thing you tear your ACL in the Super Bowl or a playoff game or a game to get into the play, like an honorable way. This is not an honorable way to go down. This is shameful. It sucks. J.K. Dobbins is a victim here of a team that should not have played him. And I will never understand why coaches play their NFL starters in the preseason at all. Uh, the Chargers did the right thing. The L.A. Chargers were like, hey, we got Justin Herbert. He's phenomenal. Let's just keep him off the field. All, the entire preseason, he's not going to be on the field. That's great. I think the Rams did the same thing with Matthew Stafford. Like, keep your dude safe. Keep him healthy. On, on preseason game day, I would say, hey, Lamar Jackson, J.K. Dobbins, anybody, Rashad Bateman, anybody who I think is a starter, I'm like, you're not suiting up. Maybe a rookie, Rashad Bateman, he can play a little bit. That's, that's fair enough. Get some timing with a quarterback. But especially a running back, running backs get their bodies beat to tar. Like, that's why the careers are so short. My running back, my starting running back, especially on a team, the Baltimore Ravens, who heavily runs the football. I'm like, hey, J.K. Dobbins, you're in shorts and a T-shirt. Maybe not even at the stadium. Take the day off. Go sit with your family. Rest. Do very little. Rest your body. And every single year, there's a story like this. A couple years ago, it was uh, Julian Edelman tore his ACL in the preseason. I'm like, why? Why? Why is this happening? J.K. Dobbins got hurt for nothing. And it's just like, and what's weird is what do you gain from playing J.K. Dobbins in the preseason? And, and now here's where optics get really bad. They go from really bad, losing your starting running back in the preseason. It's how things get worse, is that the Ravens has, have this crazy long winning streak in the preseason. And it's like, did you play J.K. Dobbins, your starting running back, because you wanted to win a preseason game? I don't think so. I, I don't think that's the reality. I don't think that's what John Harbaugh the uh, Ravens head coach was doing. I, I'm sure there was some other reason. I don't think he really cares about winning preseason games. But that's still the question Ravens fans are going to ask. And so you ha- it's a hard one to answer. It's like, well, uh, I don't know. 
So I, I want to repeat this. Do not play your starters in the preseason at all. At, at all. I, I'm never a fan of it. I don't like it. Rookies, I, I make an exception for because they want to get reps and get their first NFL game out of the way and get some timing down. But you have all of training camp to do stuff like that. Why is your starting running back playing in the preseason? I will never understand. And, and what, well, again, I asked a question, what did playing J.K. Dobbins gain the Ravens in, in theory? If he hadn't gotten hurt anyway, what is that? How, still, how does that benefit them? Your running back who is going to get just beat up all year gets a couple more bruises. Like, what does that benefit you? I don't understand. I don't know. And what this does not only really hurts J.K. Dobbins' career, it makes all the Ravens' goals for 2021 harder. You're now out of starting running back. <laughs> like, I, just, <laughs> I will never understand. Every year when this happens, it's just the same thing. And I'm, I'm just like, come on, man. Why are you playing your starters in the preseason? Okay, uh, sources have come out and said that Jameis Winston is the Saints starting quarterback. That is still yet to be confirmed. Uh, but if true, I believe that's a great move. It's the right move. The quarterback battle was between Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston. And based on what I've seen, uh, not to mention the fact, first of all, that Taysom Hill is this great athlete and you can use him all over the field and actually putting him at quarterback limits his ability to impact the rest of your team. But beyond that, let's just talk about the quarterback position. Based on what I've seen, I would have made Jameis Winston my starting quarterback as well. Uh, Jameis has a way higher ceiling. We've seen it all. We, we've seen it for years. We've also seen it during the preseason. And Taysom Hill is just not the long-term quarterback in New Orleans. It's not going to happen. Jameis Winston, given an opportunity to play, just might be. And that's why it's like, well, this is a no-brainer. All along, everybody has expected Jameis to win the job. And that's because of what he's capable of. We saw in 2019 when he led the NFL in passing yards. He had over 5,100 pass. I think it was like 5,109 to be specific. I saw the number this morning. 33 passing touchdowns. Now, he had 30 interceptions, and that cannot happen. That is not good. It's a problem. But I assume, along with everybody else, that, hey, uh, a good coach can help Jameis progress and develop and maybe limit some of those interceptions he's had in the past. And the Saints have not only a good coach, a great coach, Sean Payton, a guy who helped kind of save Drew Brees' career. So I, I'm curious if Sean Payton can do the same with Jameis Winston. I don't know. I, I'm not going to say it's going to go one way or the other, but it's definitely something to keep track of. And we all know how talented Jameis Winston is. Got an incredible arm was a number one overall pick. Way more talented, actually, than Drew Brees ever was. Now, can he make good decisions? That's the question. But I'm really excited to see Jameis Winston get his shot in New Orleans. And I, I hope, man, I'm rooting for him. I want him to see, I want to see him revive his career. And by the way, he's in the same division as his former team, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who gave up on him. The Buccaneers did the right thing. They won a Super Bowl. They got Tom Brady. They're happy. But what if Jameis, for like the next, I don't know, five, ten years, was the Saints starting quarterback and dominated and had to play the Buccaneers twice a year, every year, to remind them, hey, remember when you had me and you couldn't make it work? I think that'd be fun. That's, that's dramatic. That's fun. That's exciting. I want to see that happen. And so um, Jameis is now the starting quarterback in New Orleans, and I love it, and I, I, I'm rooting for him. I don't know if it's going to work. Decision-making has always been a problem for the guy. 
But I, I hope it works out. And I think if there is anywhere Jameis could work, uh, it's uh, like New Orleans, the Rams with Sean McVay, maybe uh, with Kyle Shanahan uh, with the 49ers. But he's definitely in a good spot. He's being set up to succeed, and I, I hope he does well. All right, guys, my name is Zach Schaumler. I'm going to take a short break when I return. We'll do some corrections. We will talk about a coach who may get fired. That's not good. And uh, I will share six college football week one games you should have on your radar. My name is Zach Schaumler. I will be right back. All right, we are back. Hope you're doing very, very well. Uh, I want to tell a story real quick, and it starts with a weird preface. I got some chaotic energy. I want to get it out. It's been a long time since I recorded part one of this episode. Like, the whole day has kind of gone by. I recorded that earlier. I put out the Gardner Minshew topic on YouTube. wanted to put that out earlier than later because it's timely, and I want to get it out. J.K. Dobbins' uh, clip was already put on YouTube now. Um, Took a break, had some lunch. And I thought I was going to watch the, by the way, Formula One (laughs) Belgian Grand Prix. there wasn't really a race. We'll talk about that down the road. Uh, but my story kind of revolves around this. I was in the shower. I looked down. And no, I'm not going where you might think I'm going. I looked at my legs and I'm like, man, I haven't lived in Hawaii that long. But the sun here is unbelievable. Where, dude, I am the darkest brown color I have ever seen. Like my calves below my knee, it's a different human being. I've never seen that person before. And then I look at my thighs, you know, the above the swimsuit line where no sun ever hits. Oh, I got some like shorter short shorts to wear. Like at some point, my fiance got them for me. I wear them occasionally. I don't think I can wear them anymore. I mean, I really like the color of my thighs compared to my legs is just this ghostly, awful white. It's horrendous. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, I look like an albino person. It's terrible. I, I, just, I don't know. I don't know what I'm, where I'm going with that, but I wanted to, I just had this energy. I wanted to get it out. Uh, I want to jump into college football. There are six games on my radar for college football week one coming up. Uh, these are six games that you should either watch or at least pay attention to. I know not everybody can watch literally an entire weekend of college football the way I can. It's my job. I know most people work regular jobs. Uh, but game one, and by the way, I also have two honorable mention games I want to share. And no, we're not talking about Oklahoma against Tulane. I'll, I'll wait to watch Oklahoma until they play a real game. But game number one is this. On Thursday, September 2nd, number four ranked Ohio State plays at Minnesota. And I believe Ohio State's going to win. That's a very pretty easy thing to predict. Uh, But Minnesota has been on the rise under their young head coach, P.J. Fleck. And so even if it's only for a quarter, maybe the first half, I do expect Minnesota to put up some kind of a fight. It's going to be really interesting, really exciting, and fun to watch. Uh, Also, by the way, I have never seen... C.J. Stroud play. C.J. Stroud is the new quarterback for Ohio State. He is like highly touted. I think he won the Elite 11 or something like that. It's some very highly regarded quarterback. I've actually never watched him play, not in a spring game, not in high school, nothing. So this is my first opportunity to watch C.J. Stroud play on Thursday, September 2nd at Minnesota. Should be very, very fun. Game number two, Friday, September 3rd. Number 10, North Carolina plays at Virginia Tech. Uh, North Carolina has potentially the best quarterback in all of college football, Sam Howell. He could be the number one overall pick come April in the NFL draft next year. And he is the main draw here. I don't have much more to say about this game. Uh, I like what UNC is doing. They got a, a (laughs) veteran's the wrong word there, a, an aging head coach, Mac Brown, who once won a, 
uh, national title at Texas. But the reason why you watch this game is for Sam Howell. And I think that'll be fun. If you love the NFL and you want to watch something this weekend, watch this game to watch potentially the number one overall pick play against Virginia Tech. Now, game number three, Saturday, September 4th, 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern. Number 19, Penn State at number 12. I said Miami, but there's no way that's Miami. Number 12, Wisconsin. So my notes are wrong. Number 19, Penn State at number 12, Wisconsin. Should be a fun game. Competitive, uh, evenly matched. Something to watch for in this game is Wisconsin quarterback Graham Mertz. He has NFL potential. I want to watch his development. I actually, for the record, I hate, hate, hate watching Penn State's quarterback, Sean Clifford. He's inconsistent, inaccurate, all kinds of stuff. But regardless, I, I, quarterback aside for Penn State, they're an interesting football team. They're a big brand. And Penn State at Wisconsin, number 19 team in the nation against the number 12 team in the nation, should be a really, really fun, entertaining watch. Game number four, uh, 12.30 Pacific time, 3.30 Eastern time. And that's, what is that? Uh, the 9.30 a.m. here in Hawaii. Thank goodness. I'm so happy games are early in the day. I, I really prefer watching games early than late. Uh, number one, Alabama plays against number 14, Miami. Alabama will win. I would be beyond shocked if Miami found a way to win this game. But it'll be fun because it's two big college football brands, Alabama football, Miami football. Uh, you have super senior Miami quarterback, De'Eric King, against Alabama quarterback Bryce Young making his first ever college football start. At least I'm assuming it'll be Bryce Young starting. I don't, I don't actually know if it's, that's been confirmed, but he's the guy in my opinion. And uh, the game is also at a neutral site in Atlanta where the Falcons play. So that should be very fun. Alabama against uh, Miami. Uh, Now, again, I know six games is a lot. I'm going to list six games in this topic that I think you should pay attention to. But if you're like, hey, you're busy, like most people, you work Monday through Friday, maybe even on weekends, and you're like, I only got time to watch one game this weekend. This is the one game you should watch this weekend. It's number five, Georgia, against number three, Clemson. This game is going to be awesome. I cannot wait. Uh, not only do you have two quarterbacks with NFL potential, that's uh, JT Daniels for Georgia, DJ Uyunglele for Clemson. I also don't know who's going to win. Uh, I, I think Clemson's a slightly better program. They've won national titles recently. Uh, Kirby Smart, head coach for Georgia against Dabo Sweeney, the head coach for Clemson. I give a slight edge to Clemson, but I am hoping for a close, interesting, fun battle. These are two teams that are in the conversation for the college football playoffs pretty much every year. Uh, And the game is at a neutral site. It is at the Carolina Panthers stadium in Charlotte, North Carolina, somewhat neutral. Technically uh, neither state is playing and neither school is playing in their home state. Remember uh, Georgia and South Carolina border each other. And then about two and a half hours from the university of Clemson is Charlotte, North Carolina, where the Panthers play in their stadium. Uh, So geographically, Interesting, but I just, I think this is going to be the best game of week one in college football and should be very, very entertaining. Now, college football game number six, you should pay attention to on Sunday, weird Sunday college football game, uh, September 5th, number nine, Notre Dame will play at Florida State in Tallahassee. Is it Tallahassee, Florida? I believe that's where Florida State is. Uh, It's a rare Sunday game. In college football, this is a week before the NFL starts, and so this game is likely scheduled that way because 
Notre Dame, whoever scheduled this game, said, let's capitalize on the fact NFL is not happening. No other college football games are happening. Let's be the main draw on Sunday, September 5th. I think it's exciting. It's interesting. Uh, I I think it'll get a lot of viewers and a high rating score. Uh, Yes, it does give each team less time to prepare for college football week two uh, to play on Sunday and then six days later play the next week on Saturday. But you also look at it, Notre Dame plays their second game against Toledo. And uh, Florida State plays Jacksonville State week two, so they'll be okay. Notre Dame-Florida State should be really fun. It looks like Wisconsin transfer Jack Cohn will be the starting quarterback for Notre Dame. Meanwhile, Florida State starts at quarterback Mackenzie Milton, a dude from Hawaii. Uh, By the way, he went to—this is why I'm really excited to watch Mackenzie Milton. He had a horrific injury a few years ago. His last game was in— November 2018, he played for Central Florida. Had a terrible knee injury. And so I want to watch him make his comeback. That's what we're going to see on Sunday, September 5th with Notre Dame at Florida State. Should be very fun, very entertaining. And uh, here are two honorable mention games I want to make sure I mention before I walk away from this topic. Uh, Number 17, Indiana, plays at number 19, Iowa. That's fun. That's interesting. Very evenly matched. And then you have number 23, Louisiana, the Ragin' Cajuns. Not LSU. This is the, the University of Louisiana. I think, is it Lafayette? Uh, at number 21, Texas, at Texas, DKRFK, whatever stadium it is. Um, th- those games should be interesting as well. But again, the number one game. If there's only one game you watch next weekend in college football, make sure you find time to watch number five, Georgia, at number three, Clemson. I guess it's not at. It's technically... At, you know what I mean. It's at North Carolina. They're close enough. Whatever. It's going to be a fun game. Against. I should have said against. Well, who cares? Let's move on. I want to go backwards uh, to the last episode very, very quickly. A lot of people wrote in with names of quarterbacks that got screwed over by their team that really never got the shot they deserved to be on a good winning team and win a lot of games. Uh, the most obvious was Andrew Luck. I went, oh, Yeah. Of course. I don't know why I didn't think of that earlier. Although, I guess my thought was that I wanted quarterbacks who maybe were surprising to people. Not everybody thinks of Tony Romo as a guy who didn't play on a great team and never really got a shot. People like Matt Ryan, Matthew Stafford, these are more surprising than Andrew Luck. Everybody knows that Andrew Luck got the respect he deserved. Like, you know, I don't think Matt Ryan gets the respect he deserves. No one ever said, Andrew Luck can't win a big game. People just said, I can't believe Andrew Luck even got his team to this game. I mean, he played in multiple AFC title games. That's crazy to me. And so, I, yeah, I should have included Andrew Luck. I think Andrew Luck is more likely, instead of a, a guy who got screwed over, he did, by the way, get screwed over. He's more just a guy who is like the number one all-time biggest missed opportunity in NFL history where... Dude, he was so talented and so good and so exciting to watch, and they just could not put a good team around him. Uh, it, it just His whole career was wasted by a bad general manager. Now, there are a couple names that were listed. Uh, Cam Newton, Eli Manning. I'm like, eh, commenters said that. I don't know that I agree entirely with those. Uh, you know, Cam Newton played for Bill Belichick. I don't know. Come on. Uh, but Phillip Rivers was a big one that I agreed with. Now, Cam Newton, and maybe he missed the prime of his career. So maybe, maybe Cam Newton, maybe. But he got to a Super Bowl, so I don't know. I don't know. That's, that's a conversation for another day. For sure, I agreed with Dan Marino. Absolutely, I agreed with Archie Manning, who played for 
what they called them, the Aints, like the worst Saints team ever. Um, and I also had a, I noticed this, and this is not a Patreon write-in, but I did notice that someone, I'm not going to say his name, I'm not going to read the whole comment, somebody did mention that uh, they thought I was too easy on Giants fans and, and New York sports fans in general. And I, I always, I think, yes, New York sports fans are crazy, but they're passionate. They're, they're sometimes jerks, and they're, they spit on people, they boo people. I love when they booed Trey Young in the NBA playoffs. Look, some people may think I'm too easy on Giants fans and, and New York sports fans in general. That's very fair. Um, I talk about them with reverence. I think Philadelphia is a city like that. Philadelphia, New York. There's a couple places around the country that Cowboys fans are similar where there's this crazy deep. And I don't think I actually wouldn't compare Cowboys fans to New York fans. I think New York fans are actually crazier than Cowboy fans. Cowboy fans are unrealistic. Giants fans they're more realistic. They know they're bad. They just are crazy passionate. And I love that. It makes sports more fun to have a fan base or two like Philadelphia, like New York, who is insane and will say mean stuff, but I don't, I don't ever hold it against them. Like the, the, look at the comments I've gotten from Philadelphia or New York. Some of them are insane. Some of them are so mean. It's crazy. But I... I just I I actually don't mind it. I wish more fan bases were actually were like that. Where having people that care, I, I just think it makes sports better. And so I have some patience and compassion for New York sports fans. They're not the nicest people in the world, but it's better that you care than people who are just totally apathetic and not interested. Is that is that the way? Is that even the right word? I don't know. But people that just don't care is not interesting to watch ever. And so I, I don't mind passionate New York sports fans. I think they're awesome. Okay, let's talk about Austrian football, not Australian, Austria, as in the country. I think it's next to Germany. I think they share a border with Germany. Uh, Rita wrote in about it. She had a whole thing about, I, I can't even summarize it properly. Andrew S. was a guy who was on The Bachelorette. He played in Austria. The lady who was dating Katie Thurston, I think was her last name, talked about considering moving to Austria to develop their relationship. And I was like, well, that makes some sense. I, th I thought Andrew made a lot of money. I was like, okay, fair enough. And I, I looked it up. I typed in salaries. And so the salaries I talked about in last episode 373 during Ask Zach actually were for soccer. Uh, I was reading that Australian, or sorry, Australian. Aus I, see, I, I, a commenter wrote in about that. And now I can't even get those two out of my head. So I was reading... Uh, online about Austrian football players, how the star players in their league make like 1.9 million pounds a year. And uh, I was dead wrong. And it's kind of funny how this happened. I didn't even think about it. I totally blanked on the fact that in Europe, they call what we call soccer in America, they call football. And I was like, oh, I'm so dumb. I couldn't believe it. I, I felt I, even after I posted, I realized like, oh my gosh, I was researching the wrong thing. And so, and also I'm not familiar with the team. So I saw their team names posted, but I just assumed that was actually, it's, I was wrong. I was totally wrong. And apparently people that play American football in Austria make basically no money, which does align with everything I thought I knew about European football is that if you play American football in Europe, there just is no money in it for the player. Like some people even have to pay just to play. And so... Rita, let me answer your question now. With more information, did more research, try to get it right now. Rita, on The Bachelorette, it was absurd for 
Katie to suggest moving to Austria to develop her relationship with Andrew Spencer, a guy who, nice dude, uh, he's a star of his football team, doesn't make really any money. It doesn't, it's not like it's fun. I have a lot of friends who play in Europe. I know the guy who won the Italian Super Bowl, literally. But you're not making the big bucks, and that's not really a big career by American standards. And so the thought that someone would move to Austria to, to develop a relationship, kind of a crazy thought, because she herself had a really good, high-paying job. Um, and I think, going back to The Bachelor, I think Katie simply just did not understand how little income he had uh, playing football over there in Austria. Unless, of course, may nope, nope, never mind. I was going to say, unless he plays soccer, but I'm like, wait, wait. The Vienna Vikings play American football, which Andrew S. does play for the Vienna Vikings. Okay. Enough rebuttals and follow-ups and stuff like that. Let's talk about Nebraska football. Nebraska football just lost to uh, Illinois. Their season opener, they lost 30-22. to 22. And by the way, I have a gripe already. The way... The state of Illinois spells things. The S is silent. I hate that so much. Uh, anyway, <laughs> why include the S, I guess, is my point. It's Illinois is how it's spelled, but it's Illinois is how you say it. Maybe it's French. I was like, come on, guys. Why, why do we do this? I hate, I hate that kind of stuff. Like Dubois always ends with Dubois. Du, du it's like, come on. I just, uh, I hate silent S stuff in, in any language. Uh, anyway, the point is Nebraska lost to Illinois. 30 to 22 during college football week zero, their opening game of the season. And Nebraska football just does not appear to be making any kind of progress as a program. And it's, it's a big problem. This is year four at Nebraska for their head coach, Scott Frost. And unfortunately he is now 12 and 20 as a head coach at Nebraska, which is just a pitiful, awful record for this is your fourth year in college football coaching that team. And remember, this is the same Scott Frost who went 13 and 0 coaching at Central Florida in 2017. He I, and I, I loved him back in the day because he went undefeated, went 13 and 0. He his team played in the Peach Bowl. They were massive underdogs and they beat Auburn in their bowl game. And not only did they beat Auburn, Scott Frost stayed with the team usually because he got hired by Nebraska before the year was over before the bowl game happened. And usually when that happens, the coach will leave and say, hey, I'm sorry, I'm not coaching the bowl game. I'm already, I got a new job. I got to go attend to my new job. And instead of doing that, Scott Frost stayed with Central Florida for their bowl game, beat Auburn, then went to Nebraska. And I always thought that was very classy. Like, don't bail on your players, especially you're 12-0, and going to be going on 13-0. and You have unfinished business. You can't leave before that happens. And so I always loved that about Scott Frost. And then he went to Nebraska. And since 2017, Scott Frost has not had a winning season. He's had all kinds of bad news about him with transfers and uh, Christian McCaffrey's little brother left the program and there was a lot of bad blood there. And it's sad. And what's crazy even more is that when Scott Frost took the job at Nebraska and went to Nebraska, it was like going home for him because he was a starting quarterback in 1997 when he led Nebraska to a national title. So he was beloved. He's like the beloved son coming home. And it didn't work out. It's very, very sad. It seems like the dude is likely to be fired now. And uh, it makes me wonder, like, what happened? Like, how did he succeed at Florida, uh, Central Florida? Because watching Nebraska football now, his team lacks discipline. His team 
it lacks detail. It's crazy. To me. Like, how is this guy a good? Like, is he a terrible coach? Is he a bad recruiter? Like, what's going on? And then I'll do more research. I really don't understand fully why Scott Frost is failing at Nebraska. It probably is recruiting. It's probably quarterback play. Usually, those things are really integral to uh, winning in college football. Detail. I mean, is he, he's maybe he's a bad coach. I don't know. He did inherit a pretty good Central Florida team. Uh, remember, they had Blake Bortles, I think, before him. So anyway. It seems like Scott Frost getting fired at Nebraska is basically inevitable now. And and that's very sad because, again, this was a guy going home to a place where he was loved and wanted. And it seems like he just has failed really, really miserably at Nebraska. So keep your eye on that. Now, uh, let's talk about Formula One. Final topic of the day. I might pull a rabbit out of my hat, cover some more stuff. But for now, this is the final topic. What are we at? 23 minutes? Yeah, it's probably the last topic. Uh, we just had the Belgian Grand Prix. Uh, well, kind of. Uh, we had cars on a track. We had a lot of rain. Racing never really happened. Um, they did a couple formation laps behind a safety car, uh, which was technically enough to count it a Grand Prix, but it was not an exciting, entertaining race. It was very unfortunate. And I, I guess there's a rule where if you drive more than two laps but less than... of the race, then you can get half points for the Grand Prix. You can count the race technically as having happened. And so the entire race was token. They literally did two laps behind, or I guess a little more than two laps behind a safety car to make it possible to call that a real race and move forward with their season. Um, I don't know. There were no overtakes. There was no, uh, the finishing order was just what happened in qualifying other than um, Sergio Perez crashed before the race could even happen. So he ended up at the back of the pack rather than in the top 10. The rain was pretty wild. It reminded me of one of my favorite movies, Rush. That's the story of James Hunt and Nikki Lauda, the, the Fuji scene. If you know, you know. If you've seen the movie, you get what I'm talking about. Uh, so the rain was crazy. Shout out, by the way, to Crofty and Martin Brundle for these two broadcasters talking for like four hours over a rain delay, just doing the best they can to be interesting and you know entertaining in a terrible situation. I don't know how you broadcast for four hours with basically nothing to say other than, wow, it's raining again. Can you believe it? I, shout out to them. I think they don't get respect for what they did. It's really hard to carry a conversation by yourself for hours, even with someone else for hours about nothing really going on. And uh, one of them said, I, I don't remember which one, one of them it was, but one of them said like they've never seen rain like that and they've been watching races in Formula One since the 60s, and you're like, wow, that is pretty crazy to hear. So nothing really happened. I felt bad for the fans. Uh, They were the real champs. The fans were sitting in the rain, in the pouring rain, just hanging on, hanging on, hoping they would get a glimpse of something that actually happened in Formula One. It was so bad that when the the guy who drove the safety car, I forget his name right now, wrote it down somewhere. I don't have it. I know Burt Mylander. When Burt Mylander put on his crash helmet, that got cheers at the, the track because of how little was actually going on. And so Lewis Hamilton said it. I do agree with him. Lewis Hamilton said he hopes the fans get their money back because they really did not get at all what they paid for. Uh, although there also really isn't anyone to blame. I mean, normally I'd say, well, screw Formula One, screw the FIA. They did that, but they didn't screw over the fans. The rain did. And you just could not race in those conditions. Maybe you give their money back. I think that'd be a goodwill gesture. Uh, probably won't because money does talk, but visibility was too low to race. Like you can't race in that condition. It's in the middle of the pack where you have spray from cars in front of you. Like you couldn't see anything. And so I, 
I get why there wasn't a race, but I just felt bad for all the fans who went and were there and didn't actually get to see anything. Now, uh, there are two positives from the Belgian Grand Prix. Number one is this. Let me, let me drink some water. We'll get to it in a moment. Here is the first positive from the Belgian Grand Prix. Number one is it brought the battle closer together for the Formula One title between Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton. So Max Verstappen, with half points, got 12.5 points for getting first place. Uh, you know, the, the top podium, uh, podium finish. Ooh, they did nothing, but they got it. Lewis Hamilton got 7.5 points for third place. So now the gap has been closed even more. Lewis Hamilton now has only a three-point lead over Max, a weird-looking 202 points to 199 points. Sorry, 202.5 points to 199.5 points in Formula 1. A three-point gap now, uh, odd with the half points, but nonetheless, it does make things even more interesting that the gap has been closed even more between Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton. Now, the second only positive thing you can really walk away with from the Belgian Grand Prix is this. George Russell got his first ever podium, and that's, that's just very, very cool. Uh, I really don't care how it happens it's a super cool moment for George Russell, his first ever Formula One podium, one he's going to remember for a long time. It was actually pretty funny. They said, like, it's the first time George Russell and Lewis Hamilton have ever shared a podium, and they might be teammates next year, so they probably will share a lot more podiums moving forward. And uh, more crazy, and again, I, I don't care how it happened. I know there was no real racing. There was no overtakes, nothing like that. George Russell got a podium in a Williams car. <laughs> in this era, which is unbelievable. And uh, again, it is also, again, ironic that he did it without actual racing happening. Like only George Russell could make that happen, but still he earned it. Remember, George Russell qualified in second place and everyone else had a shot to beat him in qualifying and only Max Verstappen did. So even though there was no race, he still qualified second. I thought to some degree he earned it. I love seeing that weird way to do it but the wet conditions were the great equalizer. And that's the only time we will ever see a Williams car in the modern era beat a Mercedes and get a podium over a Mercedes car. That's just unbelievable to me. And uh, I don't know how you cannot be happy for George Russell. It's hard to be angry about that. It's a very feel-good story. Even if the race was, you know, quote-unquote race, if you can call it that, even though the race was uneventful, I felt like moving forward it was good because it brought the the title battle even closer together between Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen. And, and then the fun cherry on top was that George Russell got his first ever podium in Formula One. All right, guys. Um, yeah, I'm going to call the show here. Let me say this, though. I got a couple stuff coming up ahead. Uh, Ask Zach next episode is really good. People wrote in very good questions on Patreon. I'm going to talk a lot about becoming self-employed and what it looks like to, I might even move it up more higher, further in the episode, like do topic one and then do ask Zach, because there's some really interesting questions and I have good answers to that. I think will be helpful to anybody who wants to be self-employed or have their own business. Uh, other stuff I'm going to talk about coming up. We have the most interesting division battles in the NFL. A lot of people are like, why don't you talk about the, I did a topic, the seven teams that will not win the Super Bowl. People are kind of mad about that. Fair enough. Um, People are like, why don't you do that with the teams that have a chance to win a Super Bowl? But I don't like doing that because 32 minus 7 leaves 25 other teams. I think saying, I don't know, I don't like leaving a team out of a Super Bowl hunt if I don't have to because part of the fun is the mystery of having a team come out of nowhere 
and compete for a Super Bowl. So we'll talk about the division battles in the NFL. I want to talk next episode about Tom Brady's priorities, how things are different than we've ever seen before. And he's got a different attitude than I've, again, I've never seen that. Ask Zach's going to be awesome. Which rookie quarterbacks will be the best this fall? Which one? Which rookie quarterback, period, singular, will be the best one this fall? Which new coach will be the best this fall? Uh, which coaches are on the hot seat? There's a couple guys, so I'm like, hey, they better win or they're out. And then uh, any big sports news that does surface, of course, will also be talked about. I, I don't know that I'm going to cover any of the new preseason stuff. Uh, unless you write in on Patreon, specifically asking for me to watch a player in their, the final preseason week, I might do that. Like if you wrote in about Sam Darnold or Trey Lance, hey, I'd love to do that. But for the most part, I'm like, ah, it's preseason. I don't care. Um, J.K. Dobbins got hurt. That was frustrating. Anyway, so for now, that's all I have. I love you very much. I appreciate you so very much. It is now, what time is it? Might be time to swim. It is 648. So I'm going to go outside Try to go swimming before it gets completely dark. I love you. I appreciate you. But I'm bum. Bam. We are done. Uh, listen to Donda a little bit today. I, I'm only going to say this one thing. Is Kanye West the M. Night Shyamalan of like artists where M. Night Shyamalan was awesome. And then he started making like Avatar The Last Airbender. And you're like, these movies all suck. Is that Kanye now? I don't know. I'll talk about it on some other show at some point, but I couldn't believe. Disappointing. 